Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. Before we jump into the message, I want to talk to you about next Saturday, okay? Um, taking place at 4 p.m. Go ahead and reserve your seats. Uh, and, but me, even more importantly than that, um, Christmas is one of the two times a year that people are overwhelmingly more likely to say yes to coming to church for the first time. So that person that you've been praying for, that person you've been thinking about um, inviting, Christmas Eve is going to be a great time. In fact, studies show that people are four times more likely to say yes to an invitation on Christmas or on Easter than any other Sunday um, over the year. And so uh, we want to make it easy for you to be um, someone that invites somebody to church. In fact, Uh, The power invitation, I don't want you to disregard it because my entire eternity was changed because I had a youth pastor that would not stop inviting me to church. The power of invitation has um, the ability to change someone's life in their eternity forever. And it, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a youth pastor. Like you have the opportunity this week to invite somebody and, and, and they can look back years from now and say that person was a catalyst in my story being changed forever. My, my eternity being changed forever. Me being brand new and it starts just with an invite. And so we made it easy for you uh, as you came in today on your experience packets there um, in your chair today. We put five invite cards, okay? They got a little QR code on them that if they scan those with their phone camera, it's going to take them straight to our webpage for Christmas, okay? It's going to make it real easy for them. We have five there. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to take these cards and I want you to get them into the hands of other people that don't go to Summit View Church, Okay, take, it's five cards, it's easy. I don't care how you do it. I don't care if you put them in a Ziploc bag with five bucks in it at the gas pump and, and leave it there for somebody to pick up or leave it on a co-worker's desk or leave it on the, the, the counter at a, 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 pay for somebody's meal behind you and say, hey, just give them, this, give them this, uh, this card when they come up and say it's been paid for. Whatever it is, just, just find easy ways to do it. Get creative, that's fine. But I want you to take these five in card. Uh, invite cards and use them this week. Actually, like, give them to somebody this week because there's, I don't want you to disregard the power of that invitation. And uh, we, we, I even left the, the back of the card blank in case you wanted to, like, write a little message or maybe, you know, I've left my phone number for people before if they wanted to call and if they needed anything, wrote a little message. So, so use that. But now, here's the deal. Don't drop these cards, okay? Don't throw them away. Don't drop them in the parking lot because there is a single mother out there that has sacrificed and she has tithed to pay for these cards. So like she has, she has taken out of her hard-earned money that she is working hard for and she has paid for these cards. And so I want you guys to use them and, uh, and don't drop them in the parking lot. That's where I find a lot of stuff. Listen, don't drop them because one of my best friends in the world is a deputy and I will pick these cards up and I'll have them fingerprinted and I'll have them take you to jail. 
No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But seriously, uh, this is the best time of, of the year, Christmas and Easter, to get someone to come sit with you at church. And I'll make you this promise. I'll make you the promise that if you get them to church, I will passionately share the gospel message with them, and I'll do everything in my power to convince them to begin a relationship with Jesus. So if you guys do your job to get them here, my job is to share the gospel of hope with them. Okay, so let's partner together this Christmas and see some eternal impact for your friends and your families. You guys able to do that? Just as simple as passing them a card? You nod your head means yes. Okay, that's cool. So you can do that. That's, this is what they look like if you haven't seen them. I meant to hold that up. Um, so just make sure you get those five in the hands of, of somebody today. And somebody's going to come with you um, uh, to, to, Christmas, to church this Christmas. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be really, a really, really good year. All right, but today um, we are in the uh, final week of our three-part series that we are calling Home for Christmas. And uh, the series really developed from the idea that for most people, the holidays are spent feeling stressed, they're feeling strapped, they're feeling uh, uh, spent and, and suffering. And that's not the kind of life that God wants you to especially right now in this season, God, God actually wants you to live a life that's marked by hope and joy and peace. And, and he says it this way in Matthew chapter 11, our series verse, verse 28. Jesus says, come to me all you are, who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now Jesus says here, if, if you'll follow his way of life, if you'll do things like he's telling you to do, that your life isn't going to be heavy. It's not going to be burdensome anymore. It's, it's going to be easy and it's going to be light. It's going to be simple. This morning, um, if you guys will, turn with me to uh, Numbers chapter 11. This is where we're going to camp out for the majority of our time this morning. Numbers chapter 11, starting in verse 4. And you guys can find it also on your message notes. You can follow along that way or on the screens uh, beside me. Um, let me just set some context here as, uh, as you guys are flipping and swiping and, and punching or whatever you need to do to get there. Um, Numbers chapter 11, what we find is we find the Israelites, um, God's chosen people right now, um, they're being led by this guy named Moses. God called Moses to lead the Israelites out of captivity. They were in slavery to the Egyptian people. And so God called Moses to be the guy that leads them out of slavery, out of captivity. And his job is to lead them into a land that God has promised them. It was called Canaan at the time, but they all knew it as the promised land. That God promised once you get here, everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be taken care of. It's going to be well. This is going to be a blessed place that you're living. And so we find ourselves in Numbers chapter 11. And what happened is Moses led the people to a place called Mount Sinai. They received God's law um, written on stone tablets. And they know now how God wants them to live because they had to get kind of re-educated uh, re, um, on, on what God wants from people. And he made this covenant with Israelites that he said, if you live my way, I'll continue to bless you. And then he said, from Mount Sinai, go ahead and, and take off toward the promised land. And that's where we pick up here, Numbers chapter 11, starting in verse 4. The people started complaining. 
when they're in the, in the wilderness, in the desert, they started complaining. And uh, I like how it puts it here, the rabble, like the, the real, uh, the real uh, wild crowd, the rabble here then began to, uh, with them to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if we only had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and garlic. But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. And, uh, and this manna looked like coriander seed. And it, or it was like coriander seed and it looked like resin. And the people went around gathering it and then ground it in, in a hand mill or crushed it in a mortar. And they cooked it in a pot or made it into loaves, and it tasted like something made with olive oil. When the dew settled on the camp that at night, the manna also came down. Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. Now, now God's promise was, hey, I'm going to take care of you. You don't even have to search for anything to eat. He had this like bread-like coriander seed, whatever substance, that every night the manna would, would, would come down from heaven as the, dew, as the dew came down, and they would be able to eat it for 24 hours. But then uh, if they were to start trying to, to harvest it and keep it for themselves, it was, it was going to go rotten. And, so it, and they tried that a couple, one time, and it, it went bad, and it was just nasty. But this manna, God would replace it every single day. So Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. Just, why have you brought this trouble on, excuse me, at the entrance of their tents? And the, the Lord, listen, became exceedingly angry. And Moses was troubled. And God was mad and Moses was troubled. And Moses asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? And this is funny. If you read the Bible, you'll find a lot of funny nuggets here. He said, did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Am I their mama? <laughs> am, I, am I their mama? They, they, did I give birth to them? Why do, you, why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to our ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. And I can't carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. And if this is how you're going to treat me, listen, Moses is a little dramatic, y'all. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes, and do not let my, me face my own ruin. And the Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people, have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I'll come down and I'll speak with you there and I'll share some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them and they will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Let's pray real fast. Father, I just pray that you would open this passage up to us, Lord. I pray that you would make our eyes see what you're trying um, to, to get us to see through this word this morning, Lord. Let it sink deep in our hearts. Let it take root. And let us go out and ap apply it to our lives, however you guide and direct us to. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I was in high school, I was a uh, freshman in high school, 14 years old, and it was getting to the point where it was about time to start shopping for my first vehicle. 
And I had just recently um, made the decision uh, to transfer high schools um, for my sophomore year. I was going to transfer to the, the school that was one county over. Um, and the wrestling coach there, he had been uh, coaching me my entire, uh, pretty much my entire life since elementary school. Um, he's a great wrestling coach. He actually was the one that adopted me and that took me to church for the first time. Uh, he was an amazing wrestling coach, though, that um, he, he had been the past winner of the National Coach of the Year. Um, he was in, at the time, the Florida Hall of Fame for wrestling, for lifetime service, and since then, he's now in the National Hall of Fame um, for, for wrestling. And so, um, uh, the, the, the high school that I was transferring to, they, they were top five in the state at the state tournament every single year. They just, it was just, a, it was a winning program. So, of course, um, I transferred to the school for academic reasons, where my athlete, you know what I mean, transferred to the school for academics. Um, and before I transferred for my first car, I had told my dad that I wanted a 1969 Ford Shelby Mustang. Like, that was my dream, baby. I was, I was, I was like, the midnight blue paint job, just beautiful. I was ready for a beast of a car. And, uh, and he was on the search for it. He was going to find me one. He was going to buy me one. But when I decided to transfer schools, um, I was transferring to more of a, like a country town, and everybody there drove trucks, big trucks, loud trucks. Like, like if you didn't have pipes on it, you, you might as well not drive your truck. And so I told my dad that instead of the Mustang, one of my major regrets to this day, that instead of a Mustang, um, I would rather have just a big, loud truck because I wanted to fit in where I was going. And so um, I came home one day, and there sitting in the driveway was this uh, 1997 Dodge 1500 and I, I got the keys to it, and I cranked it up for the first time, and it just roared to life. Just roo, 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 roo. And it was, it was loud. And uh, that summer, we spent that summer doing a lot of major work to it. We replaced everything we could find to replace, give it a new paint job, new interior. We built a custom. We got a new rear end for it. We built a custom uh, sound system for it, and, and it would thump. And I, was te- I tell you, this truck, was, it was a blessing. It was, it was awesome. It was a great first vehicle. But uh, nobody warned me that, that trucks take work <laughs> and trucks take money too. You guys know that? If you drive a truck, I'm sure you do. They take work and they take money. Like nobody prepared me for how much gas was going to cost. You know, I, I, I just, I didn't know what, what it was like. And uh, especially then when gas was soaring to like, uh, it was like the mid to late 2000s that gas was soaring to like f- over $4 a gallon. And, and that was not the vehicle that you wanted to drive. Nobody prepared me that um, in order to keep it clean, I was going to have to wash it and vacuum it every single weekend. Like nobody really prepared me for that. Nobody prepared me. Well... They did on this one, but, but I didn't listen. That if you don't keep oil in the truck, I don't know if you guys know this, but if you don't keep oil in the truck, that it was going to end up throwing a rod straight through uh, your engine block. Um, and that was exactly what happened. Uh, <laughs> but what started out as the truck of my dreams was quickly overshadowed by the amount of work that it took to keep it in good condition. The title of this message today, if you're taking notes, is The Burden of a Blessing. The Burden 
of a blessing. Now, you guys all know what I'm, what I'm talking about this morning, right? Like, I'm sure all of you have experienced a moment in your life. You've prayed for, let's say you've prayed for that truck, but then gas prices rose and now you can't afford to drive it anymore. You asked God to, to help you get healthy this year, but now you haven't eaten a good tasting meal in months. Um, for this child, we have prayed but then you figure that this child must have been mixed up with that child because this child wasn't an answer to prayer. This child was a demon from hell incarnated and now you just need it to be delivered. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Blessing from the Lord. But what about that house that you prayed for? What about that house that you prayed for and now you have to spend your weekend cleaning it and taking care of the lawn to keep it up? What about that job that you prayed for, but now you're having to spend your time working, your life working overtime because they can't find enough help? What about that marriage that you prayed for, but since you've gotten married, you've discovered that it isn't as easy as it looks on the Hallmark Channel and that a healthy relationship actually takes work to make it work? What about those things that when you prayed for them, they seemed like a blessing, but now all you have on your hands is a burden. And this is what it was like for Moses, right? Um, like he, he did exactly what God told him to do. Every, step by step, exactly what he told him to do. What a blessing. He got to lead the Israelites, God's chosen people, out of slavery of the Egyptians and over to the promised land. And he did exactly like God was asking him to do. And, and, but now on the way, the people are complaining that their food isn't seasoned enough for their liking. And I love Moses' response here. Not because it was the right response, but because it was a real one. Because right here, we, we can see through, through how Moses is an imperfect person, we can see how God still uses real people. People like you and me, people that get frustrated, people that get impatient, people that slip up every now and then. That God still wants to use us. And Moses responds here. He said, God, why did you give me this burden? Like, I thought this was going to be good. Why did you, why'd you pick me to bear this torment? I'm not their mama. If this is what life was going to be, why didn't you warn me? He said, what did I do to deserve this? Moses is tired. He's, he's worn out from the constant work and, and battle that it takes to lead these people and to live this life that God called him to. I'm sure that many days Moses had an easy time just living a life that's thankful for everything that God gave him. God picked him to be the leader of these people. God picked him to be the spiritual caretaker of these people. But I also know that there, there's times just like we read in this passage where Moses is tired. And he's drained. And he just can't seem to thank God. Because what looked like a blessing has turned into a burden. I'm sure many of you can identify with this. You prayed for God to give you exactly what he gave you, but now you feel bad because you didn't realize what God gave you was going to be so heavy. And so you're stuck in this circle of wanting to thank God for his blessing, but you're, you're too exhausted because of the burden of his blessing that you can't even praise him for it. Not because you don't want to, but because you just, you don't have it in you. You don't have the energy. And I think God gets it. I do, because, because 
when Moses griped and complained uh, about all those people, God didn't correct him for his behavior. He didn't rebuke him. He didn't cut him down. Actually, he, he let him finish. He, he said, are you done now? He just let him finish. And then, and then he completely ignored pretty much his, all of his complaints and he jumped straight to the solution. And I think God gets what you're going through too. That, that I think that God knows how you feel and I think he can empathize with you because that, that family that's yours used to be his. And, and, and that before that job was yours, he was lining it up. Before that house was yours, he was having it built. Listen, before you got your blessing, God was, was preparing for it. He knows what you're going through. He can empathize with you. And so he knows how you feel. He knows how hard it can get. But sometimes, I think that's why God lets us stay in the game. You know, when times are tough. I think, I think that's why God lets us stay in it because it is hard. And because he knows that when we put a little sweat equity into the game, you guys know what I'm talking about, when we put a little hard work into the game, that we can truly appreciate what we've been given. Nothing that's of any significance is going to come easy in life. So God lets us stay in the game even when it's hard because he knows that all it's doing is shaping our character. In fact, in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, uh, James, the brother of Jesus, writes it like this. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now let perseverance have its, finish its work, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God's letting the burden remain because he knows that something greater is being produced in you. Have you ever stopped to think that, that you prayed and you thought that you got your blessing, but maybe the real blessing isn't what was given to you, but is what, what is being developed in you? It's not about what's being given to you. Maybe the real blessing is what's being developed in you. But in order for us to really be developed and, and, and put on our way, we have to make sure that we're handling our burdens the correct way. So for the remainder of my time this morning, I'm going to give you three things that you can do when your blessing becomes a burden. Three things. Number one, cut the complaining. Excuse me. Cut the complaining. I'm coming out of the gates hot, y'all. Y'all like, oh gosh. Listen, if you can't thank God, at least cut back on the complaining that you're doing. It takes more energy. You're like, I don't have the energy to praise God. Well, you have the energy to talk about all the, the bad things that are happening around you. Just reframe your perspective. Remember that saying that if you can't say anything nice, uh, don't say anything at all, right? That's here too. And listen, I know this is hard to hear, and I know it's even harder to do. I like to complain with the best of them. Just ask my wife. She gets to hear it all day and all night. But, but here's what happens. Complaining always leaves you stuck. It leaves you stuck. And while you're stuck complaining, you can't be fixing it. While you're stuck complaining, you can't be course correcting. While you're stuck complaining, you can't be moving forward. 
Complaining is like quicksand. The harder you fight, the deeper you get dragged down. Philippians chapter 2 says this in verses 14 and 15. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And then you'll shine among them like stars in the sky. Anybody can complain. Anybody can find something that's wrong with something. You want to stand out in this world? You want to stand out? Be the one that faces adversity with a smile. Because you know that God is using it to develop you. You got to cut the complaining. Number two. Number two, you got to remember the why. Remember the why. Listen, there was a reason that you prayed for it. There was, there was a reason that you prayed for it in the beginning. There was something to it that was bigger than yourself. And I need you, I need, I need you to hold on to it. Because when, the time, when times get hard, there's, there's all of hell is coming against you, and your family is falling apart, and the job is grueling, and the weight is too much to bear, the only thing that you can hang on to sometimes is why you started in the first place. Why did you pray for it in the first place? you got to go back to that. Why did I pray for this in the first place? Because your why, your why is one of the most potent, most powerful things that you'll ever possess in this world. Your, your, your vision, your why, it has the power to pull you from the brink of throwing it all away. And it has the power to propel you further into God's way of life than you could ever thought you could go. Your why is important. Remember, remember when there was a purpose in your prayers? Remember when you were praying and there was, there was passion behind it and there was, there was desperation behind it? Because you knew that there was something that you needed. But now, God's given it to you and so you've kind of, you've slacked off. You've, you've let off the gas because that blessing suddenly became a burden. I need you to go back to those moments where you're passionately praying and fervently praying for the thing that you have today. And remember, let the refreshed vision fill your heart up again. Remember while you prayed for it in the first place. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Guys, the weight of your blessing is gonna be used against you by the enemy of your soul to try to steal your hope and thwart your future. The weight, the burden of that, of that blessing, God, the enemy is going to use that against you. But listen, if you remember your why, if you remember the, the reason that you, you got into this in the first place, the reason that you prayed for this in the first place, if you remember the moment that God gave you exactly what you asked for, it will be a tree of life to you. The Bible says it will be a tree of life. So you got to you got to cut the complaining first. Then you got to remember the why. Then finally, number three. Number three, what I want you to know is don't bear it alone. When your burden becomes a blessing, or excuse me, when your blessing becomes a burden, don't bear it alone. 
Don't try to do this alone. God told Moses, he said, go and gather 70 men to help you bear this burden. Why'd God do that? Was it like his plan B for when Moses was exhausted and failed and came to him and said, I can't do it? No, that wasn't, that wasn't the case at all. God knew all along that this was going to be his move. God knew all along that, that he was going to take the, the, the 70 people and help lift Moses up. He just needed Moses to get to this place of realization and readiness that he'd be able to receive the help when the time came. He needed Moses to be ready for it. So for you, know this, that this burden wasn't meant for you to bear it alone. Never. This life wasn't ever meant for you to do it on your own. Going back to our series verse, Jesus said this. He said, take my yoke upon you. Remember, there was a yoke we talked about in, in week one, that this wooden apparatus that would, that would join two oxen together so that they can plow the field in, in, kind of in communion with each other. They could plow the field together. And this yoke was always meant for two oxen. There wasn't a yoke that just hooked up one. This yoke was always meant for two oxen to plow together. You know, that oxen, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but oxen are, are classified, they classify them as what's called a beast of burden. A beast of, of burden. And now there's a point to this. Here's my point. If you want to bear, if you have these burdens in your life, you got to yoke up with somebody else start plowing you got to find somebody in your life that's that's going the same direction as you're going and you got to you got to link up to them and you got to keep on plowing galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says this carry each other's burdens bear each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of christ every burden that you bear is meant to be shared Every single burden that you bear is meant to be shared. You gotta have people that can help you press forward when the load of life gets heavy. There's two relationships that you need in this life, two that are crucial for you. There's two different yokes that you need to hook yourself up to. You need to, number one, you need to link up with other people that are going the same direction that you're wanting to go. The Bible says, don't be unequally yoked with a non-believer. Don't be unequally yoked with somebody that's, that's, that's not going the same direction as you. You know why? Because what would happen if, if, you have, if you had two oxen that were hooked to the same yoke together and one was stronger than the other or going at a different pace than the other one? You know what would happen? Was it, it would start outpacing itself and it would, it would go so far as it would break it would break its own neck because it was so out of line with the other that its own neck would get broken and it would be injured and it would be killed. And that's the reason that the Bible says don't be unequally yoked because if you're not on this journey with somebody that's going the same direction as you, you're going to end up in the ditch. You're going to end up stretched and lifeless and, and, and hurting and needing hope. Don't be unequally yoked. 
You've got to be yoked up with somebody that's going the same direction that you are. And then the second one, this is even more important. You've got to be linked up with Christ. You've got to be yoked up to, to our Savior. You've got to be yoked up to the one that doesn't fail with Jesus. Link up your life to his. Because Jesus says this, He said, take my yoke upon you for my burden is easy. My burden is easy and my load is light. You don't even have to pull that much. Just link your life up to mine and watch how it gets more simple. So what do you do when your blessing becomes a burden? You let others help you. You lean on them. And you keep your life pressing on towards the goal that's abundant life that you can find only in Jesus. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.